Chats from the Blog Cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know the show where I virtually invite people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting with Carew, who wrote the Legacy Letters. And Carew, first of all, let me say your name, your first name is so unusual. I absolutely love it. So where did that name come from? Well, first of all, it's great to be inside the Blog Cabin right now. So thank you so much, Melissa, for inviting me. And um, to go to your first question, Carew uh, is a uh, old family name, so it's a Welsh name, and I didn't have much choice in the matter, but uh, I like it. There's a, actually, it's funny, because there's a castle in Southern Wales called Carew Castle, so Carew in Welsh means castle over overlooking water, so I am your castle overlooking the water of your blog cabin. <laughs> I love that. I wish there was a pond in front of the blog cabin. <laughs> <laughs> So let's great. talk about who you are before we get into the legacy letters. You got it. So, uh, so bit of a uh, history here is um, pretty much raised in the Pacific Northwest, up in the mountains there. Uh, was outdoor oriented, you know, was uh, climbing and skiing and sailing and kayaking and all these things. My dad um, and my both my folks were teachers. Um, my dad also was a ranger, so I was brought up in national parks. Um, I was born in Yosemite National Park and then uh, Teton National Park, uh, Olympic National Park. So uh, what a wonderful way to start, you know, that outdoor mm -hmm. life. Um, my granddad had a small ranch north of Seattle when I was growing up. And then so I had a bit of the cowboy background then, which is interesting for the latter part of that history because that's what I ended up doing for a number of years. Wow. But by hook and by crook, I sort of, um, you know, went to school, worked in Alaska, went to school in Norway, was trying, I tried to get on the, the uh, U.S. Olympic ski team as a cross-country skier, and then trained with the junior Olympic team, worked as a freelance reporter in the Middle East, um, like I said, a peripatetic, I love that word. It's, we hardly ever use it, but just here, there, everywhere. I guess the, when I was, when I was 14, I made this very conscious decision. And it's interesting because it sort of goes to the whole legacy driven mindset idea of really choosing a way to live and, and fortunate enough to be by the grace of God being given this sort of, mm -hmm. um, way to look at life. I, I just wanted to live the most adventurous life I could. And, and really that was going to be the, 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 um, the catalyst for almost everything I did. Now that doesn't mean that was the easiest life, uh -huh. and the most adventurous life. So um, I ended up applying to film school at UCLA. And I figured if I was going to go to film school, I was going to go to the one film school that I thought was the best film school in the world. Why film? Because it was a compilation of all the art forms. Um, I had published um, several books in my late teens, early 20s. 
And I thought, well, I'm going to tackle this. Here's a new adventure. So mm-hmm. off and running, I was driving tour buses up in Alaska, get a letter, says, okay, you've been accepted. And I was like, wow, all right. Because my other plan was if I wasn't accepted was to get a motorbike and drive down to the tip of uh, South America. So I stopped in LA and I, I ended up, I ended up there for a while, never made it past LA. Um, so I got my degree in filmmaking, got out into the, the feature film industry. I worked my way up. Um, it's interesting because I've actually been doing interviews recently on the rust shooting. Sadly, mm-hmm. um, I have a, number, a lot, quite a bit of experience working on film crews. So I worked my way up. I worked on video, uh, music videos, like with Madonna and R.E.M., um, low-budget horrors and comedies, movie of the weeks, commercials. And then I'd start working on the features. I worked with Johnny Depp and Marlon Brando. If if we're going to name drop here, which is sort of fun sometimes. <laughs> uh, actually, and part of my time going through school, um, I was a bartender. So I bartended, get this, for Roseanne Barr's wedding. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and it, go to Sting's house. I mean, it's so funny to say this. Oh, I went to Sting's house and, you know, served drinks. And yeah, okay. All this hobnobbing and stuff. But... What was interesting, Melissa, is that underneath it all, I began to sort of feel like, wow, this is the, you know, the bright light, city lights and the, the the romance of the film industry and everything. It's all there. But at the same time, there's this sort of undercurrent of, of not sadness, but um, sort of spiritual exhaustion in a mm-hmm. way. I, I just began to look at this and I remember... Um, asking this good friend of mine who worked at Universal Studios. He was, and that was in the film portion. And he'd been there forever and ever. And he knew, I mean, he had a million great stories. If there's one thing working in the film industry, you have a ton of amazing stories. And I said, I said, Bob, I said, you know, was it worth it? And his answer shocked me because he said, no. And I go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And And I go, why? And I says, well, I missed my kids growing up, divorced twice, got all the toys, sold all the toys. Here I am at the end of my life, sort of lonely. And I, and then I was like, wow. And then I began to see that crack in the facade, sort of the golden handcuffs of Hollywood. And um, especially for those that what we call under the line, which are they're all the, the production people. And it's a, it's a hard life. I mean, it's you work, you work your tail off, minimum 12 hour days. And um so I started, I started driving around the West and I love the Western part of the U S I've been brought up in almost all the States in one way, shape or form. And um, so like the Aborigines would do a walkabout Well, I did a drive about and I started driving all over. So I'm saying, what, what is it that I need to do? You know, what are these, these, these searching, these soul searching trips? And it wasn't one trip. It was like, I'd go out for a couple of weeks drive around, come back, grab another job, go back. And this would go on for six or seven months. And the last job I went out on, I ended up in Arizona in a three bar town, because that's how you count small towns, right? By the number of bars they have. <laughs> and uh, I um, I asked for some work and there was this old cowboy. She said, I got a fencing job. And I said, that's fine. I, I, I knew the basics. So I ended up um, near the border, up about 6,000 feet in this, between these two mountain ranges and, and talk about going from Hollywood to no lights at all. There are no bright lights of Hollywood to no lights at all, except under the stars. It was absolutely incredible. Um, 
I ended up working on this job for six months, pretty much by myself. I had a pickup truck. I, um, my, uh, my bath was a horse trough. Um, the back of my pickup was where I, I began work on writing this book called the legacy letters. So as I like to say, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, have it early. (laughs) So I had mine early. Thank God. (laughs) So, So this idea started to begin to, to bubble up in my head. And again, I hadn't published in a number of years. But here I was out in sort of this Walden Pond time of my life, very alone, very, you know, amidst nature, working really hard and just alone for days and days on end. And I started working literally at Lantern Light on the back of the pickup. I'm trying to create this romantic mood here, but it was was an interesting time. It was an incredibly deeply reflective time, very um, not only soul searching, but honestly soul searching, like where do you want to take this part of your life next? Um, sort of like what empty nesters go through as I as I read up on somebody. And uh, yeah, you're going, wow, how do I go through this next deal? So this, the book um, and to your listeners very quickly, um, these letters um are a fictional series of letters written by a father who had never lived to see his kids. And these letters become their practical, moral, and spiritual guidebook for the rest of their lives. Well, initially, I started out not with that brilliant concept, but with the concept of just writing these letters of wisdom, sort of like chicken soup of the soul. Mm-hmm. And I, I, after about six months, I had 100 pages or so. And I said, okay, now I'm just going to sit down. I hand, I actually hand wrote the, that first part of the book, even before um, putting it on a computer, because I didn't even have the wherewithal to have a computer out there, of course. So it's all handwritten. So one night with a glass of whiskey, sitting next to the fire, give a, you know, sit down, okay, I'm going to read it and see what I got. And I read through it and I read through it. And I get to the end and I go, this is horrible. <laughs> The build up. I love that. Horrible. This is what is this? And you know what it was? It was what I call finger wagging knowledge. You know, it's just like, really? This is, I thought this was brilliant. No, I don't even want to read it. And uh, which says a lot. So I thought, but there's something here, and I don't know what it was. And I, and that began the search. And the search was, these characters starting to come in, the father figure, the mm-hmm. grandfather figure, the the being up in the cabin, the the words, you know, these um, these letters being left behind for the kids on their 10th birthday because of this, this separation between he and his wife, this great love of his life, which becomes another element, another uh, mysterious mm-hmm. element of the story. I mean, how could you break apart? And which is which is another fascinating part of how people have responded to this. Because at one point, I literally thought, oh, I saw the difficulties of creating this sort of love story separation idea. And um, and I thought, gosh, this is this is shaky. I don't know, because people might think he just ran away. Well, he ran away to die, but he ran away from his wife who was still pregnant. People are going to go, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I asked so many women about that. And I said, what do you think about this? And this one woman summed it all up. She goes, she goes, we own tragedy. 
And I was like, wow. And she's like, this makes sense to, to me. This and and the greatest difficulty I had were the guys. Guys were like, whoa, that guy's a dog. I would have never left. I would have come down from the cabin. You know, I'm like, really? Wow, what a flip. So I decided to go with it as opposed to the one thing where he was in an airplane, he crashes up out in the outback of Alaska and he's in a cabin, he dies there. Now it didn't work. So it makes it reflects the complexity of these letters where this man is writing to his kids at the at the 10 years of age. Mm-hmm. And he begins to see that I just I'm not going to write about simple things. I'm going to write to the entirety of their lives. So then we go from, you know, how to be a good person, how to say thank you and please, all these sort of simple things. And he's starting to open up, up to talking about marriage and travel and and being a man of your work. I mean, all these amazing mm-hmm. things. And the book that you have is the appetizer to the bigger book. So I didn't want to put out the 650 page, 200 plus letters because I thought this could just become a doorstop. You know, mm-hmm. people had to sort of get used to this idea. And now what you have is 40 of the over 200 letters written that the children wanted to give to the world. And so that's where we're at. And so finished the book out on the ranch. Oh, well, and when went from the fence job, I ended up getting another job out there as a foreman on a ranch, which means I was the only person when I say foreman, it sounds really prestigious. No, I was pretty much a ranch hand, um, same area and um, very desolate, but um I was in charge of taking care of the cattle. I was I cowboyed for five years, writing this book at the same time. Um, fortunately, I did not have to go looking for my wife. My wife came to me. She came mm-hmm. out on a horseback pack trip. A buddy of mine said, I need a wrangler. And so I wrangled her through a big rope like this. <laughs> my wife hates it when I see it. She goes, come on, that story's so old. Yes, but people in the blog cabin have not heard it, so... Um, then we got married at the ranch and uh, been married, similar to you, 25, 22, 22 years. We were wow. son. It's been fantastic. And uh, uh, it's been a remarkable life. This this turn of events uh, with the book, winning a number of awards, becoming a bestseller and all this good stuff. And uh, I don't say that lightly. It's been a hard, as you know, building up a, a fan base of people mm-hmm. who want to hear what you have to say. So. I know I made that really long, but that's the intro. (laughs) (laughs) I love that intro. Now let's take a brief commercial break and then we'll be right back to talk about the legacy letters. Do you actually have your book with you that you can read a part of it when we come back? All right. right, Here we go. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Branding yourself begins with self-reflection. Taking stock of your strengths. Is there a particular talent that helps you shine? In this series, founder of Peer Branding Group, 
Lydia Pierre sits down with the executives and entrepreneurs to shed light on why it is important to brand yourself and get ahead. And we are back talking with Karu, the author of The Legacy Letters. Oh, where'd it go? Um, I will say that when I was reading this, I was like, and I told you this before we went on, is that I actually had to stop several times and keep going back to this is fictional. This is fictional. This is fictional because you're like right in the depth of it. And actually, honestly, I'm a big Yellowstone fan, the, the TV show Yellowstone. So a lot of the characters in Yellowstone kept, I kept seeing the characteristics that they have. Oh, in how, this book how well. wonderful. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a heck of a compliment. That's a great show. Yeah. So before we went to break, I asked you if you would read part of the book. So are you ready to read? Yeah, I would love to. So I've got several ones. And I noticed that you love. Well, we can either go. I'm going to give you a choice. So well, wait, you know what? I will do something. So I had, I've done a lot of book signings. And after a while, I'm going to I have to tell a quick brief story on this because it's really fascinating it, it speaks Go right to ahead people. all right so um i'm at a book signing and uh usually it's like the scary author over there no one wants to approach you until there's a line and then everyone wants to approach you so this was a little slow on this day um at this barnes and noble and so i was like oh please come on over a, there was a mother and a son and the son was about 14 or something like that and I said, come on over come on over i'm just, Meet the scary author. And they're like, okay. You know, I just like, and they came over and then she goes, okay, what's your book about? So I explained what it was about. And she says, oh, that sounds interesting. And I said, interesting. Uh, let me take the interesting knife out of my back. The whole, you know, the interesting, really? Okay. I said, look, I'm going to do something that's never been done in the history of publishing. I'm going to guarantee this book. And she goes, how do you guarantee a book? And I said, I guarantee if you pick up this book, you turn to any page in it, you'll turn to the next page or I'll give you your money back. And you haven't even bought the book. So she goes, sure. So the kid's on his cell phone, you know, he's doing his stuff. And I said, you too. So she picks up the book. And second page, third page. I'm going, oh, okay, this is it. She puts it down and she says, I'll take two. And I said, huh? Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay, that's great. And so she goes over to pay for the book and the kid's still reading and i was like and i said hey i, I don't want to interrupt you but what what gives i didn't even think you'd you know continue to read let alone keep reading the book and he turns to me and he says i don't have a dad i wish the guy in this book were my father oh wow and and at that point the whole okay we kind of lost him for a minute so let's see if he comes back i'm back here yeah you're back okay the, you said you, at the part where you talk about the dad and the, the kid said that he didn't have a dad he didn't have a dad he oh yeah and he said he says i don't have a dad i wish the guy in this book were my father so um that was a dramatic pause. We shouldn't have cut out at that point. I know. It's like, wow, he's right in the middle of the great story. Oh, my gosh. Boom. 
And so, Melissa, what's happened is I would do this almost at every book signing and some amazing um, um, inspiration would come out from someone reading any page. I, and, and literally on that very same day, I did it again. And this guy picks out there's a there's there's a there's a letter on working. You probably already read it if you've already gone through the first third of the book. And I was and he picks it up and he ended up buying like five books. I was like, what the heck have I stumbled onto here? And uh, I said, what gives? Why? He said, he said, you are talking about. Oh, I, I think the, the phrase in the book is work like you're shining God's shoes, mm. meaning, you know, you don't do it for anyone but yourself and for, you know, that's it. You work, you do your best work and it doesn't matter who you do it for. You're doing it like you're as if it was God, you know, type of thing. And uh, this guy brought it up and he said, yeah, he said, I just, I couldn't believe I read that because I just got my first raise in like five years and I asked the boss and, and it just happened like two hours ago. And it's so interesting stuff from there that, that I, I'm I'm amazed at the response of of the the honest response that people give not just honest I mean soul bearing response which I believe came from where it was written. So with that being said, let's uh let's put on the old spectacles here. And I figured we would start with a uh, marriage. Just like really? Yeah, let's try the marriage one because we've been talking about that, right? So this letter is called um, To Make a Marriage Live or Die. So I'll read, this is a small portion of Little Ones. And he always, since he didn't know his children's name, he would always call them Little Ones. So that was part of the introduction for all of you that hopefully will be reading the book. Little Ones, as I see it, you get married, but you make a marriage. Some folks think that once they're married, they've already arrived in Paris where you drink chilled wine, picnic in the park afternoons and somehow evening roses bewitchingly appear by the bedside and you step feather-heeled strolling through dusky and swoon-filled romantic nights and somehow you forget that to get to Paris you have to travel to Paris. Mm -hmm. Marriage is not the beginning of the journey nor the end it is the journey where you decided by some magical and incandescent flicker of the flame that the journey of life was made somehow better, deeper, richer, more fulfilling by experiencing it with someone else. And that making sure that that magic never wanes and the flame never dies is your most important responsibility to each other. But the strangest thing happens on the way to making a marriage. The romance begins to rust. The love loses its luster. The friendship flounders and the magic becomes musty. What happened? You expected Casablanca and you got the honeymooners. <laughs> Somehow and somewhere in our foolish quest for a forever love, we forget that for silver to shine, you have to constantly polish it. And when you don't, the silver tarnishes. Marriage is love put to its ultimate test. The grindstone of life with the idealism of love meets the everydayness of marriage. Yes, you started out simply as each other's lover, companion and friend, but now you are a couple, a corporation, a legal entity, an island onto yourselves, a family, a social grouping, a Mr. and a Mrs. and two peas in a pod. 
You are now the breadwinner, the baby maker, and the sitter, the maintenance worker, the repairman, the short order cook, the financial analyst, the bookkeeper, medical staff, the mechanic, mm -hmm. and the gardener. You are the teacher, taxi driver, sanitation worker, spiritual advisor, vacation planner, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, mother, aunt, uncle. Did I miss anything? And you wonder why the lightness of love becomes the elephant of resentment, inexorably stomping up your backside to someday establish a permanent perch. Wow. Wow. And the, the whole list, I love the way you just went blah, 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 through the whole list because that's a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize how many hats they do wear and that yeah. does affect yeah. their your relationships. What made you decide to write it as a dad writing it to his children that he didn't know? You know, that's such a great question. I just, uh, that's sort of what was the aha moment. You know, it's like, Woo! okay, right this way. Um, but what was interesting, I, I think the most interesting part was as the dad had to grapple with what he was communicating to the kids. And initially, like I said before, it was very simple ideas. Um, you know, how to say please and thank you. This is one of the letters in the book that actually inspired national thank you letter day, which we can get to a little later, mm -hmm. but, um, I think when you're trying to describe, I don't know, you're putting together a manual of life, which we all do sort of do for our kids, but we live it every single day. Well, how do you write that down? And how do you create this, this guidebook in a way that's not boring, um, mm -hmm. that's practical, and yet comes from, um, from your life's wisdom and what you live? When I wanted to burn these letters, and then thank goodness I didn't, which I knew I wasn't going to, I realized that when you tell a story, one of the oldest ways to communicate knowledge or wisdom is through a story, right? Mm -hmm. And so you take a look at uh, the Bible is a classic one. I mean, if you go back to caveman days, you go, oh, there's a bear up there. But if you sit down and you say, you know, your uncle and I, his leg got ripped off by a bear. Now that bear's up there and you tell the whole story mm -hmm. how it got ripped off. You know, kids are eyes are like, whoa, okay, I'm not going up there. The bear's up there. Um, so once I started to incorporate the stories of how this wisdom came about, then they really started coming alive. And the wisdom became, it, it wasn't finger wagging anymore. It came from a place of, of importance to this man, mm -hmm. to his kids. Great wow. question. Great question. Wow. Now, going back to the very beginning, you said you were on the production side of movies. Do you ever think that Legacy Letters would become a movie? Because I can see it set up as a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you talk about So for years, I tried to figure out the movie of it. Um, because you can uh, there's a lot of ways to go with this. But immediately, one day it, it suddenly dawned on me, the movie. And for those of you, supposedly the greatest movie of all time is Citizen Kane. And if you've ever seen it, you understand it's about trying to unravel a man's life. A very famous mm -hmm. man, this, this, this publisher, and why he said the words Rosebud, you know. Um, again, for those of you who have seen it, for those of you that haven't, it was a reporter that went back and tried to figure out who this Rosebud was. But what it became was, um, un, uh, peeling back the layers 
of of this man's life and peeling back the layers of who we are as, as uh, where we come from. So the whole movie premise is this book has done this incredible thing. It's been out for years and this reporter is sent on, well, go find out who the real man is, not the man in the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, the man in the book is the real man, but there's more to him and find out why he's separated from his wife if you can. And so then it becomes that going back in time type of thing to, to bring it to the present. So that's the movie. And I've actually done the, the the structure for the screenplay and been working on that. So, yeah. Wow. Because I can tell you, oh, I can't wait to see it if it comes out. I mean, I'm talking into existence right now. It's going to come out because it, it oh, reads well. You. So I can just imagine. Now, who would be your dream characters in the movie? Dream people to dream people? play? Yeah. Oh, I think I'd like to play the lead. So <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> That's that's an ego like this, right? Okay. Oh, I don't know. I I mean, I've acted a, a bunch of a, a fair deal, and so it would be fun to try it out, see if it was fly. But oh gosh, I don't know. Who do you think would be? I keep right. going back to the Yellowstone characters. Oh, true. Well, Kevin Costner. Shoot. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't hurt my feelings if Kevin Costner played me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you mentioned earlier that this is just like a short version of the bigger books. Do you yes. think you'll ever release any more of the letters and oh. have it to Legacy Book 2, 3, 4, so you know, and so on? Wonderful question. Um, this book has done so well. I actually thought about bringing it out in, in, in segments, but no, the, the big book is already written. And what I wanted it to do is I wanted to create enough... Um, excitement around the little book and the little book really has done it. I mean, again, I've been so blessed of, you know, the, the number of awards it's won and the amount of attention it's gotten over the years and the great reviews. And it just goes on and on. I, I just feel very, very fortunate to have been given that um, insight into how to write a book like this. Um, but no, the big book's ready. And gosh, pre COVID, I was just, going to bring it out. I mean, I was, I was going to pitch it out and to the publishers again, and, and I was in a great place to do it. And then of course, you know, COVID punched a hole through the universe. And so now I'm, I'm back on that track again. So yes, I'm hoping ah, within the next year or so, we're going to see that big book out in a, in a big way. In a big way. Oh, in a big Ooh. way. That Ooh. sounds like you have lots of plans for that one. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, and you know, too, I've got to tell your listeners sort of an interesting part that came out about this book. So being raised in the outdoors, I love being outdoors. And so I'm doing all these book signings and one could say, well, that's neat. I go, yeah, it's neat. And it sells books and you get out and I love meeting people, people person. But there was something missing. And I thought, gosh, I just want to be outdoors. I thought, well, wait a second. Why don't we do book signings outdoors? Well, wait, why don't we do something better? Why don't we walk the talk of this book the central theme of this book being living life to the fullest so well why don't you go do it okay i said all right what do we do well let's let's do a book signing on horseback in front of barnes and noble guess what the horse i got married on the horse i worked mm -hmm. on boots and you can see it on my youtube channel and there it is and so i created these first ever book signings and so not only was I on horse, but I did the first ever digital book signing. And I, I actually, 
press the button and it set it up there and it was digitally signed in the whole nine yards, all on the back of a horse. And wow. so now I've done book signings on top of Mount St. Helens on a glacier in Alaska. We did a whistle stop tour along the entire East Coast on Amtrak. Uh, first ever book signing in Cuba post Castro when it opened up and I had a book signing that, I mean, it goes on and on, on river rafting, um, all these things that out of that, I decided, wow, why don't I get kids excited about reading? So I created the, this, this series called the, um, 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 the, I love to read series. And so I'll be reading this book back to the horse with the first one was ever was on the back of boots. Oh, and I'll be reading like this. I love to read and I love to ride that spur of the horse and off we go. And actually, that one's funny because every single take we did it, Boots would fart. And you can hear it <laughs> like this. You're, you're kidding. So we left it in there. And that's one of the first ones. So if you go to the website, if you go to the YouTube, you'll see it. And it's really funny. But I've done things like um, I'll be fly fishing or I'm driving a go-kart or I'm in front of the Acropolis in Greece or I'm mountain climbing or I'm, it's just the whole gamut. There's a whole bunch of them. and um, ended up getting several million views off of all these I love to read uh, deals because um, we're we're getting kids in schools to mm -hmm. to to watch them and to question why why is this guy doing it or where is he doing it or how is he doing it so it's been really fun. Wow, it sounds like you do have big plans. I mean, what made <laughs> you decide to like sign books on top of Mount St. Helens? I mean, obviously that's just like the adventure seeker in you that you just like. What else? Can I do next? And it's like, what can I top next? What can I top next? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, back to that idea that I really, <laughs> yeah, I'll wait to wait. There is some more coming up. I'm not that, but mm -hmm. It really is that idea of, of walking the truth of your life, I guess, if you want to put it in the bigger spiritual terms, but um, I just like, wow, I'm outdoors and I'm signing books on a mountain. Oh, and I did a radio interview up there at the same time. They go, I can't believe you're up there doing that. I go, yeah, we're signing books. And granted, it's, I mean, if you sign five books, you've had a book signing. I put it out there and whoever appears is who appears. Yes. But um, it's and on a glacier in Alaska, that's the same thing. It's like, well, if you show up, well, heck, get 13 people and they all showed up. So it's, it's part of a deal. But um, no, I'm not done with that by any stretch of the imagination. I'll, I'll keep topping that. And so stay tuned. Wow. So COVID really made you think outside of the box. Well, this was all pre-COVID. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This was all pre-COVID. Actually, COVID sort of shut things down for a while, you know, and I had to, it was hard really to, as any, with anybody, it was hard to do much of anything. So, um, um, so I had to, but yeah, this was like previous five years to COVID that all these things were being done. Wow. Including, including national thank you letter day can i talk about that go right ahead i had it already coming up november 14th that what's national thank you letter day guess what do we write thank you letters anymore people no don't write so my son of course he has really learned to write thank you letters because it's like you're gonna write a thank you letter for your christmas present your birthday whatever so this age-old art and the reason i brought it up was because i thought this is uh, it's it's a wonderful way to express gratitude and mm -hmm. manners and kindness. Um, so for the first year, which I think was four years ago, come to think about it, um, we created the world's largest 
handwritten thank you letter the size of a basketball gym, uh, the size of a basketball court in our local middle school, elementary school. And if you go to nationalthankyouletterday.com, you'll see it. And it was a big hit. And um, and it was written by the cursive writing class. I took, I, I asked them what they were thankful for, and they came back and wrote a whole bunch of lines, and I incorporated those into the letter. It's a very simple letter, but it's literally all handwritten, and it's huge. Um, and so you ask, well, what do you do with the, the world's largest handwritten thank you letter? You have to send it. Right? I mean, what else are you going to do? Next, The next year, we sent it. We created the world's largest envelope and the world's largest stamp. The local post office sent it to our sister school down the road, and we unveiled it. So we literally have it. It's literally postmarked. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and every year we're trying to do something different. And this year, we're, we're it's called Thank It Forward, trying to thank you know, all the people that are involved in our lives, of course, that, that helped us during the pandemic and still are helping us, but also to the people that matter in our lives. Thank, like paying it forward, we're thanking it forward. So, um, and just in sort of instructions on how to write a thank you letter. It's, it's you don't necessarily have to, um, you don't necessarily have to uh, send a letter. You can actually hand it to somebody, but mm -hmm. it should be on paper and it should be handwritten because literally, that's the gift of your time that gets held within that letter. And that's one of the reasons that thank you letters are so valuable. That is so true. I remember when our oldest daughter got married, she actually wrote her and her new husband, because they live in California and we're in North Carolina. They wrote a thank you letter to my husband and myself for, you know, paying for the wedding for, you know, oh my incorporating gosh. everything yeah. that they wanted and kind of letting them have their own way what they wanted because they wanted it small, intimate. Whereas if you're in a Hispanic household, it's normally a huge wedding if anybody's involved in that. So All right, yeah. but they, they wanted it very small and very intimate. And the fact that every little detail, because trying to plan a wedding when your daughter lives on the West coast and you're on the East coast and the wedding's taking place on the East coast, you can imagine who did a lot of the running yeah. around and getting, finding the places and, contacting the people for the venue but that meant the world to me was for them to actually i didn't wasn't expecting one but them to actually write a thank you letter oh my gosh. thank you for everything you did that's amazing and you know when you hold that letter it's it's a physical thing it's as opposed to i would do this thing on valentine's day and uh about why it's important to send out a, a physical valentine's mm -hmm. day letter i mean it's that powerful and you get to hold it and again it it incorporates you know if, if the most valuable gift you have in life is the time you have on this planet then you literally the writing of that is putting the time onto the paper mm -hmm. and you're literally holding someone's time i mean what that's a that's a wild thought and so within a thank you letter you're holding the time it took for them to do that as opposed to blah, 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 pop, spat, and yeah. oh that's nice i got a thank you text man you're gonna hold on to that thank you letter. you're yeah. probably gonna delete it because of phone storage yeah, right, right, exactly, yeah. Going back to your thank you letter, it reminded me of something that I did when I, I'm a former teacher. And one of the things that we did was I taught K through third grade, or K through second grade, actually, mm -hmm. music. So a lot of these kids weren't couldn't really actually physically write a letter. So what I did was we did a thank you tree. And we did oh, a gosh. huge tree, and each one leaves each one of the kids wrote something they were thankful for or drew a picture of something they were thankful for. 
So oh. it was all over and it was like took up the whole hallway where all these these leaves were all different colors because I picked out all different colors because you know I love that. I absolutely love that. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna credit you with that, put that on the website. And say, <laughs> no, absolutely think of that. I love trees. So my gosh, and it's so simple and it's and it's got a bit of a dramatic flair to it. So and I I tied it into a, one of the music lessons. I forget which music, but I just remember the tree just stood out and the kids had the best time and they would go by. It wasn't in the main hall because the principal didn't see the vision to begin with, but she wished at the end that it was in a main hall where everybody can see it, yeah. but it was kind of tucked away on one of the little out shoots of the building. So the kids would go by and try to find their thankful and see who else wrote, what else they were thankful for. Oh, and you would believe mean. some of the things they were thankful for. You know, yeah. most were mom, dad, parents, but some were like Legos. Someone was like their dog. Someone was like the type of food they like. Yeah. Some even said the teacher that they liked. I mean, everything. You wouldn't believe it. It's so cool. And actually, you know, along those lines, we had the, so the postmaster actually gave us 600 postcards, prepaid postcards to send out. And the kids wrote. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, wrote letters to their parents or whomever. And it was really, it was a great exercise in how to write a thank you letter or thank you note. And um, so I wasn't expecting anything and I, I got it. I got one mm -hmm. and hold on. I'm going to grab it. Cause it's really, really something. Uh, let's see here. Oh, bear with me. Okay. Oh, it's so bad. So our, my son wrote this and he goes, dear mom and dad, thank you for all the wonderful times I've had with you. I love you. And I'm so glad I was born into this family. P.S. I would write more, but I can't. The postcard is very limited. Love and our son. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa, it works. <laughs> I got a taste of my own medicine and I loved it. And I love how you held on to it too. How old oh, was he when you wrote that? Oh my gosh, four years ago. So he was 11. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I'll carry that with me the rest of my life. You know, that's, uh, that's just, that's from the heart, right? And I guess that's, that's how you write a thank you letter. It really mm -hmm. comes from the heart. Yeah. 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 That is so true. And I love how you combine the legacy letters into the national thank you letter day. I love that. Yeah. It's been, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's just almost a natural extension, isn't it? I mean, it just, and and the inspiration for that was I was that wasn't teaching a cursive class. I was doing something in cursive class, showing them some oh the importance of writing a letter or something. And all of a sudden, I was I, I was reading part of the book, and I said, I said, well, what do you guys think about creating the world's largest thank you letter, the size of a football field? And they were like. Yeah, Mr. Pappas, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Uh, and 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 I really thought about doing it on a football, but thank goodness, because that would have been it was tough enough to do it at the size of a gym. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh so we pulled it off and it was still we it was still amazing. Now I want to know how you got the post office involved in it because that logistics of trying to get the post office involved, I imagine there was some red tape or maybe not. No, we had, so we're a small town here mm -hmm. and you would go there and I say, Oh, she just loved the idea. Her name was Donna bird and she's the postmaster. And so she backed it all the way. And we, 
you just can't mail an envelope and the whole nine and a stamp the stamp was 25 by 15 feet wow. and it says national thank you letter day on it let's see do i have it here uh oh i wish i this was actually the poster from the first year so oh. that's that's the letter right there the world's largest thank you letter and that's the whole deal i i just had it here but the stamp was huge um so we literally had to fold it like a burrito, a gigantic burrito. Um, and on the website, it shows the kids carrying it. We had to have like 15 kids or 20 kids. I don't remember. We had to take off doors to the gym. Wow. And then we stuffed it in the back of the postal truck <laughs> that went out. And then we had to pull it out and then, you know, unveil it to the sister school. So it was delivered. So it was official. It was official. I want to know the the... The look on the sister school's face, how did they receive it? Where they were like, wow, because they knew that was coming, but they didn't know how big it oh, was. Oh, yeah. And especially we're unveiling it, you know, we're pulling it back. And they're, just, I mean, like anybody who sees it, it's just like, whoa, what the heck? And we had a drone there too. My son operated the drone as it's flying. They're like waving to the drone, looking at the letters. So it's just this big, wild hoopla. I love that. And yeah, each year, do you, have you topped it since you've done that big letter? Have you topped it? Oh, not yet. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just, I've been sort of, you know, someone said, what about the world's largest, you know, mailbox? I go, okay, all right, hang on, guys. Let's, let's, it's one thing at a time. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I wanted it, I wanted it to come out. Um, we were in negotiations to bring it out at halftime at the U of A, University of Arizona football game, which would have been really cool. But um, again, that stuff sort of fell apart, so. Wow, I'd love oh, how. Do you know what? We were gonna try to, we were gonna send it to, to Ellen DeGeneres because she's the closest. We were gonna send it to her show and unveil it. Um, mm -hmm. And we were working with the producers and they were they were hot on it, but it didn't, I was like, oh, come on guys. It would have been so cool, you know? national television but ah, but you can still possibly do it you could just show how they did it in the past i like your thinking all right we got a team up here <laughs> i mean because i'm sure with all your connections and with other people's connections there's somebody out there that's willing to do it oh yeah i i agree and when you find that somebody then the, the world just opens up right yeah for sure. yeah yeah i like your thinking so let's talk about how have you written a thank you letter to your parents? Cause you said you got one from your son. Have you written one to your parents? That's, Oh, you are so good. You're going for the juggler now. So, uh, no. And it's, but I have been, I've been working on it. I've been not only thinking on it, I've been working on it. And it's, it's, it's sort of a, maybe I shouldn't belabor it so much. Maybe it should be just a simple on you know what? You've inspired me. National thank you letter day is coming up. I'm going to do that letter because sometimes I think we get so caught up in trying to make it over the top or whatever that mm -hmm. you lose the forest from the trees. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's I've been, that was just handed to me from <laughs> on high from the blog cabin coming over to me. So that's my, that's my job. I love it. That's, that's great. You inspired me. I love that. Um, so our time is almost up, but where do you see yourself going forward with the legacy letters, with your the bigger version of it coming out? How is that going to look like with COVID? Because still some places are still not opened up. 
Yeah, I think I think if it's coming out within a year, then I think things are going to be a lot better at that point. So, I mean, the, the, the time it takes for a book to come out, you know, but in the meanwhile, um, in the meanwhile, I am still doing these wonderful interviews and meeting these wonderful people. And that's what you do. You just you just keep talking about life. You keep talking about you know, the book and reading from it and then just inspiring people to live their best lives and live live their lives to the fullest. So I don't think that's a, in no small measure, that's really, um, that's a, that's a wonderful way to live. That is so true. Now you mentioned something at the very beginning. I want to just tap on real quick. Mm -hmm. You talked about people were interviewing you because of what happened with Alec Baldwin and Rust. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about how people found you through that, because obviously, you know, you don't, <laughs> You're not in that world now. No, but I think it comes back to I have a lot of a lot of connections, and they knew that I worked in that. And actually, interesting, Fox Entertainment picked it up. It it really blew up. If you put in Carew, Paprits, and Rust, you'll you'll see it. It's a and it's a good interview because it really goes to the heart of not just it's not the shooting. Mm -hmm. It's how crews a film shoot breaks down mm -hmm. and goes south and it happened to me several times um and i was working on one shoot where i was both the the driver driving back and forth on location from utah new mexico and arizona back to la once a week and then coming back and i was a set dresser in the art department so here i am putting up set dressing and doing all that and then I came back from a trip 2 a.m. We had a six o'clock call and putting up tire chains in this garage out in the middle of nowhere. And I fall and I hurt myself. And it's like, and I'm on a non-union shoot. And so it's like, all right, you know, we'll take care of you. But it wasn't as um, the reason that union shoots are really important is because of the safety issues, let alone getting paid and all this. And so when I first heard about this, I immediately thought this is a union, non-union problem and a shoot that's gone south because they are just jamming these people. I looked it up and sure as heck, it was exactly like I've experienced it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And very so, sad. Very, very, very sad. And the, Melissa, the last thing I was to say about that is when, when I had my crew with me, the guys that worked with me, I just said, guys, do not hurt yourself. This is a movie. It's make-believe. Mm -hmm. No one should ever get hurt on a movie shoot. And so with that being said, this should never have happened in, in a million years. You should never be hurt on a shoot. Never, ever, ever, ever. That is so true. Now, do you have one last little nugget that you want to leave us with? Oh, there's always the one last thing. Uh, do you want me to just read a quick paragraph for the book? If you want to, go I for it. To. There's that, because I noticed how much you love to travel. So I am, I've got a nice little thing on traveling. Oh, you know what? Oh, maybe we should. Oh, we're talking about, let's do start the day. Oh, okay. So this is the, the letter called starting the day. Sometimes we make being happy so difficult and being thankful such a chore. Starting the day like a job we hate. Beginning it like swallowing 10 tablespoons of devil-made cough syrup. Because somehow... Along the way, we forgot that being alive and healthy and happy are noble goals for just good ideas. And then the opposite of being alive is being dead. What a choice. 
So open the day like a Christmas present, open the day like a Christmas Christmas present waiting or a puppy needing petting or a new kiss of wanting. Open the back door, step out of the back and onto the porch and greedily suck in some new air from this new day. It's free and there's lots of it. Start with a brand new good morning to your husband or your wife, to your kids, to those you work with and don't work with. What's the harm? How difficult is it? And it isn't, and you know it, so do it and make it a habit. As hokey as it may sound, you have it good. You just have to remember how good. Oh, I love that. And it goes right along with gratitude with thanks with November being National Gratitude Month. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So tell people where they can find you at. I think the easiest way is to go to thelegacyletters.com. Um, check out the the, the monster Amazon, of course, the book is on there. You guys have already taken a look at that. There it is. And it's really a nice, it's a lovely present. Mm -hmm. And people love to touch it. And it looks, it's got old paper in it. And it's just really super. Check out that YouTube channel, Karoo, uh, or KarooTube. You can go there. Very and easy. all those fun videos are all over there. So especially the I Love to Reads and stuff. And they're a hoot and a holler. Give them a, give them a look. Oh, I love that. So, Karuri, yeah. thank you so much for sharing the legacy letters with us. Even though, guys, when you read it, you will have to stop and think a couple of times. Wait a second. This is fiction because it <laughs> reads like it's somebody's actual diary that they're writing to their kids. And I absolutely love it. Um, and I can't wait to read the whole big version when it finally comes out. Oh, I can't wait to show it to you. We'll have to, we'll have to revisit then, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'll have yeah. to show it up because guys, this is the book here. It's a <laughs> it's actually I want I don't want to say it's a quick read because to me it's thought provoking. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would say it's not a quick read because it's thought provoking. Like you can read one little section at a time and just sit in it for a while. Yeah, it's interesting. Someone called it um a nightstand essential, and I love that. I I, I mean it's really a comfort food book. That's another phrase that's used. But what's nice is these letters don't take long to read. And it's not as if you're reading a beginning, middle, end type of book. You get that sense of it. But it's so easy to read. And and everyone, to almost to a person, says, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Or you reminded me of mm -hmm. this important thing in life. And I, I love what you just said because I think that really – it's one of the, the the best features of the book that it's not like I have to read the whole thing at all. You don't. And literally for fun, pick it up. If you, if you get a hold of the book, open it up to the first, do what I said, do the magic thing, do the magic <laughs> legacy thing, open it up to the first page and see what happens. Not the first page, the first page you open up to and see mm -hmm. if that, uh, see if that works. Yeah. And plus two, it's great. Like if you're, if you're in the carpool line, you can read just a little section while you're waiting and things like that. So you're not having to stop and pick up where you left off and try to figure out, okay, what happened here? What happened there? What happened next? You're the storyline. It kind of reads itself. Each letter kind of contains in itself. Melissa, did you say carpool line? Yeah. Carpool uh, line. Look at this. It's a carpool page turner. Love that. <laughs> So, Curry, once again, I want to thank you for being on. And guys, I will put everything in the show notes where you can find the book, as well as all the different places you can find Curry at um, Curry Tube, as he said, and also um, the link to National Thank You Letter Day because I think that's Wonderful. really important as well. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was so much fun. 
being at the blog cabin. I would again next time we do this, we're gonna have to be out on our respective porches, right? Yeah, maybe not because we have dogs in our, our neighborhood that like to come out and bark when I'm outside. So that's why I'm inside <laughs> most of the time. Okay, gotcha. It was such uh, a pleasure and happy Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you. And guys, be blessed. And most importantly, keep chatting and write those thank you letters. You got it. Bye-bye. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.